This is Joby. Hi, this is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Crime, Crime Stories, Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Up, up, up at night. We have something to tell you yes. guys. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. So before recording this evening, mm-hmm. I'm going to take you back a couple of months because I don't know how long ago it was that we talked about this. It had to be like summer because it came out in August. Yeah. So it had to be sometime during the summer that we talked about this. And if not like August, definitely September-ish. Yeah. So there was a new Ted Bundy movie that came out that was starring Chad Michael Murray as the titular (laughs) Ted Bundy. (laughs) Well, it has recently become available on Hulu Mm -hmm. to stream. Mm -hmm. I saw it the other day while I was browsing and I told Jovi, I was like, dude, this is available to stream, just FYI. So we decided tonight, before we recorded, while we were eating dinner, we were going to watch American Boogeyman, the Ted Bundy story. <laughs> the Ted Bundy story. When I tell you, our loyal listeners, this was the biggest <sighs> hunk of crap I've ever watched ever. in my many days on this planet. Ever. It was so bad. And inaccurate and ridiculously historically inaccurate like the only good part was the scene where chad michael murray was shirtless and you could see all the way down to his hips his like pendal cut hips Mm. yeah that Mm. was nobody was complaining about no 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 but everything else though we had a lot not to objectify (laughs) cmm but whatever no i am let me tell objectifying him i'm taking ownership of that shit Uh, let me tell you guys not only was the writing atrocious uh, atrocious the acting was, was worse worse mm-hmm. worse mm-hmm. it was it was laughable there were we heckled the entire thing we turned into like straight up statler and waldorf and we yep. just heckled it the whole time yep entire time and the historical inaccuracies were glaring and like my whole thing is we talked about this when we first discussed this new movie coming out of how many movies can we possibly need talking about ted bundy yep at this point in the world People know the story of Ted Bundy. They know what happened. At least the important facts. Correct. Like the color of his buggy and the fact that it had no front seat. No front passenger seat. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Like little things like that. And they still got those wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry, any true crime fan or even people who know the Ted Bundy story are going to be like, uh, what? Yeah. Uh, what? There was at the very end... The Kyle Omega murder. First of all, they did all the murders out of order. Uh, the Florida murders out of order. Mm-hmm. That was number one. Number two, the Kyle Omega like scenario was so ridiculously like overwrought, Wrong. and that like there was there was a a part of the scene where like the cops show up while the murdering was still happening. We know that nope. that didn't happen. Nope. Not we even know a that bit. didn't happen. Not even a little bit. It was just, it was frustrating. It was aggravating mm-hmm. and it was comical. Yes. So if you're looking for comedy, <laughs> if you're looking for comedic, com- what you're looking for comedy relief. Yes. But you want a little bit of hotness. Yeah. And mm-hmm. true crime. And true crime. Well, I well, should say fabricated fa- crime. Yes. Yes. That has, that's based on a true story, but very, 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 very loosely. loosely. Yeah. Um, definitely check it out. But uh, we warned you. Yeah. So if you come back saying, 
guys, that movie was horrible. We're gonna we be never like, said we it know. was good. We know it was yeah, horrible. No, we know. We're we know aware. It was bad. And you know what? If we suffered through it, guess what? You should too. You should too. I mean, it's a rite of passage. Oh my Let's God. be real. Guys. Dog says hi. Dog says hi. <laughs> he came in and was like, hey, I would like to be on the podcast. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Yes. Yeah, so he's our special guest. Tonight. Yes. Yes. Even he left the room. Yep. He was like, you know what? This is some shit. Actually, both he and uh, the other puppy were both like, yeah, we got to take a shit because this is so full of <laughs> this shit. This is so ridiculous. We've lived with you long enough to know that this is false and we're leaving. Yep. 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 And like when dogs do that, you know it's bad because dogs love everything. For real. Everything. Exactly. And my dog eats poop. And even <laughs> even she was repulsed by this. She was like, crap. nope, nope. I don't want to eat this poop. Oh, it was bad. Yep. It was bad. So watch it. Yeah. And then let's discuss it. Let's discuss how awful it was. Yes. Watch it and then send us an email or a DM and we'll totally talk about it. Yeah. It was it was awful. It was awful. But again, like, and it's all, I feel so bad because like these are these people's jobs. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I just, oh my God, but it was such a stinker. It was a stinker, man. Like they could have done so much better. Like, and like I said to Charlie, I'm like, this isn't even the, uh, Cliff's Notes version of Ted Bundy's story. Like not even a little bit. And like we were also saying, Chad Michael Murray does not look like Ted Bundy. How, in the slightest. In the slightest. However, if you kind of put on your mask, like you're wearing your COVID mask and up, yeah. he looks like Ted Bundy. Yeah. Or if you go from like the tip of his nose down, he looks like Ted Bundy. Put everything all together, he looks, he looks like a hot Chad Michael Murray with a mustache. <laughs> with the moose, with, with a, a moustache. moustache. <laughs> um, but it was it was not great. No. And like I, I swear I just I feel so bad. Apparently Chad Michael Murray ran out of all his one tree hill money. Yep. And yep. he's like, I mean, I guess I gotta take this job. Yep. yep. Oof. See I'm listening to this. I still love you. Oh, we still love you, bro. <laughs> I mean, we do. Yeah, hardcore. I bro. stand. Mm-hmm. I watch that to support you because I love yes. you so much. Agree. And I didn't shut it off halfway through because I love you so much. Yes. 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 But my God. Don't don't ever agree to anything like that ever again. Never. Ever, ever. I mean, unless it's a movie where you're entirely shirtless the entire time. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Like huh. I mean House of Wax, anyone? Hey, 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 hey. I watched it the other day. I completely forgot that he was in it. And I was like, oh. Yeah, he and Jared, uh, Jared Padlecki are yes. in that, right? and Paris Hilton. And Paris Hilton. She dies in it. Yeah, she does. Oh, spoiler alert. It's I mean, from like I would, 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I would hope that yeah. you all have seen it by now. And if you haven't, definitely watch it. It's not a bad movie. It was I. I mean, it's enjoyable. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh on that note, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and get this Jovi Sode started. So yes. um, we are currently recording in the week between Christmas and New Year's. Yes. So Nikki is um, on vacay. Yes. And is not recording with us tonight. So it is just Jovi and I hanging at my house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know what? You're going to be here anyway. Let's go ahead and write you a story and get another Jovi Sode um, under our belt. So... Here we are. I'm going to go ahead and pass it on over to her for tonight's bed crime story. Yay! And actually, before I start the story, I would like to give a shout out to um, my stepdaughter who lives in Miami. She Miami Miami. Um, Bienvenidos she's a faithful, Miami. <laughs> she's a faithful listener. So hi. Um, I was talking to her recently, and she has a fish tank. All her fish are named after serial killers. So. 
It's funny because she had one named Dahmer, mm-hmm. and Dahmer ate a couple of the fish. <laughs> so it was very fitting. Yeah. And uh, we had a good conversation about it, and it was funny. So I just thought I'd share that. So do with that information as you will. Yeah. Um, I'll have to, I keep asking her to write in and send us pictures so we could see what Dahmer looked like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fish. The fish. We know the what fish. Jeffrey looked yes, like. Yes, yes. And we know all about Dahmer. Yeah. Thanks to um, Charlie's episode a yeah. couple weeks ago. So. I still would like to apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was kind of fucked up, wasn't he? I mean, I guess I don't have to apologize. No. No. I apologize for bringing that into your brain, brainiums. It was was a rough one. But I feel like that's another one, kind of like Ted Bundy, where people know at least some of... Yeah. And you're at least aware of, like, the depravity. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, hi. Hi. Shout out to you. Yes. Uh, Okay. So I'm going to be doing tonight the story of the murder of Shonda Cher. Okay. Um, For those of you who follow us on Instagram, it was actually um, one of the trivia questions... And when, um, because I do the trivia, so when I looked up that question, I was like, huh, I read more about the case, because I knew vaguely mm-hmm. about it, and then I was like, you know what, next Joby said, I'm going to do it. So, that's what I'm doing. Okay. So, my sources for tonight are talkmurderwithme.com, Wikipedia, of course, all things interesting. Love it. And I watched an episode of Dr. Phil that had her mom and her sister on. Interesting. Um, it's called Dr. Phil in Cold Blood, A Daughter's, a daughter's Brutal Murder. Um, and it aired this year, so nice. it's fairly recent. I would also like to co- commend you for sitting through an entire episode having to listen to Dr. Phil talk. You know, he didn't talk that much. Okay. It was more of, he asked, like, what happened and how she felt. So it was gotcha. more... Um, Jackie, uh, Shonda's, Shanda, sorry, Shanda's mom that did the talking and gotcha. her sister, so. Because Dr. Phil, woof. Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah, not no. a fan. No, not really. No. Not really, but I did it for the podcast. Yes. I did it. You did it for Shonda. I did do it. I did do it for Shonda. Shanda. It's Shanda. Shanda. Yes. Sorry. Shanda. Yeah. All right, so I'm just going to say this too, and then I'm going to get started. A big trigger warning. Um... I tried to make the details as not not as gruesome as it was put on Wikipedia and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I tried to tame it down a little bit because it is it's bad. Yeah. Um so yeah, trigger warning, it's coming. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so let me start. Shanda Sher was born on June 6th, 1979 in Pineville, Kentucky. Uh, her parents, Stephen Scherer and Jacqueline Vaught, got divorced when Shanda was very young. Uh, she was best friends with her mom and super close with her dad and her stepmom, Sharon. Uh, she was the kind of girl you wanted to be friends with, bubbly, outgoing, and a lot of fun. At school, she was a cheerleader and played volleyball, and she was also very smart and got good grades. So she was an all-around American good girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in June of 1991, around Shanda's 12th birthday, she and her mom moved to New Albany, Indiana, so that she could be closer to her dad and get to see him more often. Hmm. In September of 1991, Shanda started at Hazelwood Middle School in New Albany. Early on in the school year, she got into a fight with 14-year-old Amanda Heverin. So the two ended up in detention together, but they resolved their issues and they eventually became friends. Okay. Jackie, who is, like I mentioned, Shanda's mother, was unsettled by the friendship from the get-go. Hmm. Uh, when they be, when they started becoming friends and hanging out together, her grades started slipping, and she was getting into trouble, which was very unlike her. Yeah. 
Uh, the friendship soon developed into something more, and the girls became the girls began exchanging love letters. So they mm. became an item. Mm-hmm. In October, they attended a school dance where they encountered Amanda's ex-girlfriend, 16-year-old Melinda Loveless. The sight of Shanda and Amanda together made Melinda furious. At the dance, Melinda tried to fight Shanda, but Amanda stopped her. In the weeks following, Melinda threatened Shanda in public and began to write letters to Amanda saying that she wanted Shanda dead. Mm -hmm. So I don't have anything red to wave, but this is red flag numero numero uno. uno. On discovering Amanda's letters to Shanda, many of which were of a sexually explicit nature, mm-hmm. Jackie and Stephen decided to have Shanda transfer to a different school. So by the end of November, Shanda was enrolled in Our Lady of Perpetual Help Catholic School. Mm. I feel like that is a common thing where if public school is going wrong, let's go to private school. Yeah. Which I'm sure nine times out of ten works, but, mm. you know, yeah. there's that. Shanda and Amanda didn't break up when she transferred schools. Amanda continued to write her letters and call her at home, but Shanda was distracted with her new school and not as responsive, responsive, not as responsive as Amanda would have liked. Mm. So that dance that I mentioned previously, that's kind of what set everything in motion. Okay. So the anger was brooding in Melinda's mm-hmm. mind. Melinda's mind, not mine. She doesn't have a mind full of seven <laughs> little dwarves. In a mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to make this less strokey as possible. Yes, okay. Because apparently in my last two episodes, I was like, not having it. So, yeah. sorry. Whenever Jovi enters the room where we record in, her brain just starts leaking out of her ears, you know, apparently. It, it really does. And I can't stop thinking about Chad Michael Murray shirtless. So, I'm going to blame that. Tonight. Okay. I'm going right. to blame that. Tonight. It's all Chad Michael Murray's fault. Yes, it is. It is. When you see him next, guys, you tell him it's all That's his fault. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Okay, so ba 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 ba. In a mine. In a mine. Okay, so the dance, what got things going, and those events would soon bring Shanda's life to a gruesome, torturous end at the hands of four teenage girls. Lovely. Yeah. So before I actually get into what happened, I'm kind of going to give a brief summary of each of the teenagers that were involved. Okay. Um, so the first one that we have is Melinda Loveless, who is 16. And originally from New Albany, Indiana, and the youngest of three daughters born to Marjorie and Larry Loveless. Uh, the Loveless parents would often visit bars in Louisville, where Larry would pretend to be a doctor or a dentist and introduce Marjorie as his girlfriend. Hmm. He would also share her, and shares in quotes, with some of his friends from work, hmm. mm-hmm, which he found disgusting. During an orgy with another couple at their house, Marjorie tried to commit suicide, an act that she would repeat several times throughout the daughter's childhoods. Okay? So, she was being, quote-unquote, shared against her will. Correct. Okay. okay. Correct. Okay. Because, again, we're not here to yuck anyone's yum. No, no. You guys want to orgy away, more Do power it. to you. Do it. But it's the against the will Correct. is the, 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 the no-no. Correct. And she was terrified to say anything because, as as I'll mention, he was abusive. Mm. And. Yeah. 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 I I can't even imagine. I don't want to imagine. Yes. Uh, So when Melinda was nine years old, Larry had Marjorie gang raped, after which she tried to drown herself. Yeah. Good Isn't that fucking terrible? Jesus. Like, I read that and I was just like, oh, that's. No. No. Just. No. I would. I don't even know if this is correct to say, but I don't blame her for wanting to drown herself. 
I don't blame her for wanting for being desperate to yes. get out of the situation yes. however she possibly can. Yes. There. Yes. You said it better. But yes. <laughs> yes. Right, right, right. What she said. Yes. After that incident, she refused him sex for a month until he raped her as their daughters overheard the event through a closed door. My God. So not only did Marjorie go through this, the daughters of were course. well aware of what was going on and they heard everything. So traumatic to say the least. Beyond. Absolutely. Yeah, like And also a example is being set for your mm-hmm. young daughters of this is how you take care of situations like this. Correct. Through violence and through sexual games. Correct. Sexual games. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I feel like that came out weird. It did, but okay. I got what you were saying. Yeah. Uh, in the summer of 1986, after she would not let him go home with two women he met at the bar, Larry beat Marjorie so severely that she was hospitalized. He was convicted of battery after that incident. Larry also likely subjected his daughters to sexual abuse, mm. but the extent of this is is unclear. Like it was right, never right, right. reported or anything. Right. Uh, there are reports that he molested his daughters and nieces when they were children, and Melinda shared a bed with him up until she was fourteen. Oof. Yeah. Oof. 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 Yeah. yeah. So the, mm, mm. Marjorie and Larry divorced when Melinda was fourteen. Larry moved to Florida. Of course, he did. And after that, had very little contact with the family. Don't forget, guys, the dirt sinks to the bottom. Yes, don't just throw that out there. Just keep that in mind. Yep. Just, yeah. Melinda struggled with depression and would regularly get into fights, both of which were largely caused by her difficult home life. Mm. Which I could see. Yeah. I could see the fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yes. Yeah. This affected her schoolwork and resulted in her having to repeat a year of school. Melinda was actually open about her lesbian orientation, which was rare for a small town in Indiana in the early 90s. So, cool. Like, she was one of the few that were... Out and proud. Yep. So, good for her on that. Mm -hmm. All right. Our next um, person. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The person... Perpetrator? Sus- yes, perpetrator. I'm like, it's not a suspect because it's totally them. The next perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Thank you. You're welcome. Brain leaking. That's all right. Uh, was- Chad Michael Murray shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, Chad Michael oh. Murray. And your 70s porn mustache. <gasps> I dig it. Okay. Sorry. Our next perpetrator, Lori Tackett, 17, mm-hmm. was born in Madison, Indiana, which is about 50 miles away from New Albany. Her mother was a fundamentalist Pentecostal Christian and that was a mouthful and her father was a factory worker with two felony convictions in the 60s that's an odd couple huh yeah a little bit a little bit Lori claimed that she was molested at least twice as a child at ages 5 and 12 in May of 1989 her mother discovered that she was changing to jeans at school and after a confrontation that night attempted to strangle her Social workers became involved, and Lori's parents agreed to have unannounced visits to ensure that the child abuse was not reoccurring. Wow. Yeah. I sound like a doom. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, needless to say, so far for both Melinda and Lori, not such great Not pasts. Not the best childhood. No. no. No, no, no. Not even a little bit. No. Lori was fascinated by paranormal activity and vampirism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Early in 1991, at the age of 16, Lori began to self-harm, which landed her in the hospital several times. She was admitted to to a psychiatric ward and diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Yeah. 
In September of 91, Lori dropped out of high school. While living in Louisville, Louisville? Louisville. Louisville. Sorry, sorry, Louisville. Because I know you guys get really pissed off <laughs> about that. You guys get real mad, yeah. So, Louisville, uh, with various friends. So, basically, she was couch hopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to get out of her house, which I don't blame her. Again, yeah. Um, living in Louisville with various friends. She, she met Melinda in October, and they became friends. Mm-hmm. By the end of the year, Lori was spending most of her time with Melinda in New Albany and Louisville, and rarely went home to Madison. So... I mean, I yeah. honestly can't blame her. For escaping that situation, yeah, for sure. I would have ran so far. For the hills. So far. Yeah. Not the hills that have eyes, though. Or the socks that have oh, eyes. <laughs> so real quick, getting back to the stupid Ted Bunny movie. <laughs> At the, towards the end of the movie... Hold on, let me pour my wine. ASMR right there. It's going to sound like pee. Okay. <laughs> Um, at, towards the end of the movie, when they're looking for Ted, there's like a, a want like posters that people make all up over the college <laughs> campus. Like, have you seen this man? And it's a picture of a face, but like with a covering over it. It seriously looked like a tube sock with eyes Legit. and a mouth. And I was like, yes, I hate when my socks just get up and start walking around campus and murdering people. I hate when that happens. <laughs> just like it was so stupid. So I was like, the socks have eyes. And then it turned into the hills have eyes. Yes. And now it's a joke. And because yes. Jovi just said hills have eyes, I said socks have eyes. And now you guys are part of the inside joke. So welcome. Welcome, welcome to the inside. The socks have of eyes. The joke. Yes. <laughs> All right. So that was Lori. Yeah. Uh, the next two are Hope Rippy, who was 15, mm-hmm. and Tony Lawrence, who was also 15. Um, there's not... Both girls, right? Both girls, okay. yes. All four girls. All okay. four... All four... Yep, girls. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't much on them because while they were involved, they kind of took a back seat to the first two that got I had it, Got it, got it, got it. Makes sense. Hope and Tony were both raised in Madison and had been close friends since they were young. While Tony was good friends with Hope, she didn't know the other girls. Hope's parents did not like that she spent time with Lori as they thought she was a bad influence. Guys, nine times out of ten, parents are right when they say that a friend is a bad influence. You don't want to believe it, trust me, but they're right. Sometimes. Nine times out of ten. Yeah. Which is why I said nine times out of ten. Bye. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but a bad influence. Both girls were also known to self-harm. So basically, all four of them... Went through traumas, they self-harmed, they're just, a lot's going on. Right, there's a lot of mental instability. Yes, yes, yes. All right, now I'm actually going to get into, into the thick of it. Into the the thick thick of of it. it. (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) No! Sorry, sorry, this is not a funny story at all, but obviously we're coping. We did this with with Dahmer. So we made stupid jokes before we got into the grossness. Yes, so please don't hate me. All right. Here we go. Okay. On the evening of January 10th, 1992. 1992. Oh my gosh. So it's almost 30 years. Yeah. Oh. Actually, when you guys are listening to this, it's probably like, it'll be after, it'll be after the 10th, but close. Yeah. Yeah. So we just passed the 30 year anniversary when you're listening to this now. We do this all the time. We do. This is what? The third or fourth time that this is happening? Doody, 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 doody. (laughs) Legit. (laughs) So January 10th. 1992, Lori, Hope, and Tony piled into Lori's car, planning to go to a rock concert. This would be the first time Tony would meet Lori. What are they going to say? What? Do you know what What? they were going to say? No, it doesn't doesn't actually mention. Um, Lori didn't look or act like a regular 90s teenage girl. She had a harsh, white blonde, boyish haircut and wore black from head to toe. 
She had a sinister and unapproachable exterior and showed little emotion. Tony was immediately unsettled by Lori. Mm. I mean, apparently... And she this probably was, just gave off, like, fuck you vibes. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just have a feeling, just from reading and doing research, that Tony was kind of like, I don't know about all this, but it was like yeah. peer pressure. Yeah. She kind of went because she was friends with Hope, and Hope was going. Mm-hmm. So, not that she's innocent by any means. Correct. But she was definitely more of the, <laughs> what? Like, kind yeah. of a person. Yeah. More of a drag along. Yes. Lori asked Hope, did you tell her yet? To which Hope replied, tell her what? We're going to kill a girl tonight. Tony didn't know what to think. She thought it was some kind of twisted joke. Mm-hmm. I would have too. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, before heading to the concert, Lori drove to New Albany to pick up Melinda. Hope didn't know Melinda well, and Tony had never met her. Melinda was beautiful and glamorous and excited to see the three girls when they arrived. Carrying a large kitchen knife with her, she got in the car and told Hope and Tony about how she just wanted to quote-unquote scare this girl named Shonda because she was trying to be like her and had stolen her girlfriend. So Lori, Hope, and Tony had never met Shonda before. Melinda was the only one that knew her. Yeah. The four arrived around 8 p.m. at Shonda's house and Melinda hid on the floor of the car. She knew that if Shonda saw her, she would get scared and refuse to come with them. Lori and Melinda told Hope and Tony to knock on Shanda's door to ask her to come with them so she could see Amanda. Amanda, who was Melinda's ex, her current fling. Uh, Shanda had never seen Hope or Tony before, but she was intrigued at the idea of seeing Amanda. Mm. So she told them to come back at midnight once her parents were asleep so she could oh, sneak out no. and join them. Mm-hmm. Hope and Tony returned to the car and the four girls drove to the rock concert. At around midnight, they drove back to Shanda's house. On the way, Melinda exclaimed how excited she was to kill Shanda, but also said that she just wanted to scare her. So she was saying, oh, I'm going to kill her. No, I'm just going to scare her. So it was kind of like a, what do you believe? Right, 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 right. Hope and Tony didn't believe that Melinda had planned to kill the girl, but Tony was becoming increasingly concerned. She refused to go to the door with Hope this time to lure Shanda to the car. Mm. So Tony was like... Uh, can I go? Not. Can yeah. I go? I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Hope returned with Shanda and they got in the car. The two began talking about Amanda. Hope explained to Shanda that Amanda was waiting for them at the witch's castle, which was in Utica, um, Indiana. And apparently it's this place that is known to people in the area mm-hmm. um, that's known to be haunted and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So like basically a place where teenagers and young adults would go to be like, Ooh, yeah. that kind of a thing. Yes. I feel like everywhere... Has a place like, like that. that. Yeah. Suddenly, Melinda jumped up behind Shanda, grabbed her hair, and put the blunt end of the knife to her throat. Shanda screamed and pleaded with Melinda not to hurt her. Melinda yelled, "Shut up, bitch!" and proceeded to question Shanda about her sexual relationship with Amanda. Once they arrived at the witch's castle, Melinda and Lori tied Shanda up. Lori scared Shanda by telling her all about how the place was full of dead people. Shanda, who was terrified at this point, begged to go home. Lori lit a t-shirt with a smiley face on fire with a cigarette lighter and uh, taunted Shanda, saying soon she would be the one burning. My God. This was a 12-year-old girl. Shanda was 12 years old. Lori and Melinda were 16 and 17. What the fuck? Like, when I was doing this story, all I could think of is, 
when I was 16, 17 years old, I was obsessed with the Backstreet Boys and like chilling in my room. <laughs> when we're 38, we're also obsessed with the Backstreet yeah, Boys, but that's besides but the point. That's besides the point. But no, I agree with you. you like, know, like when we were that age, you and I were friends at that age. Yes. We literally would sit in one of our rooms yep. watching like what we recorded that day on MTV of the yes. Backstreet Boys and just like correct giggling and dancing to their dances. Correct. And, but we weren't murdering girls. No. And I mean, granted, we didn't have trauma like that. Mm. Like they mm-hmm. did. And mm-hmm. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm no. not saying what, what they're about to do is correct. Correct. No, I know what you're saying. But they had a different childhood. So. Of course. Of course. Yeah. But when you're putting it into context of like ages and just right. trying to like wrap your mind around it, like even the whole idea of like this 12 year old girl mm-hmm. who like, again, you're 12 years old you're what in seventh grade mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the actual fuck and, yeah my god yeah and that to me is honestly one of the, one of the saddest things about this yeah. story is that a fucking 12 year old go a 12 year old girl bro you're jealous of a 12 year old girl mm-hmm. like what the fuck is wrong with you mm-hmm. find another girlfriend like but that's what and another girlfriend exactly but that's that a, that's a Backstreet Boys deep cut for you guys yes, and welcome. it's also the wrong lyrics but. it is um <laughs> But yeah, what kind of per- like just find a new girlfriend, right? Move on. Why are you so obsessed with this one person? Well, and I think the other thing too is like as I think as people get older, you start to realize that you you can't put the blame on the new person, right? No. Especially if so, like let's say, and it everything seems like it kind of was on the up and up that Melinda and Amanda were legitimately broken up, and then um, Amanda started dating Shanda, but like. I think when you st- when you're a kid like that, you always want to blame the other person, oh, of right? Course. So like when I was in high school, my high school boyfriend cheated on me with the girl who was my neighbor. I hated her. I, honestly, still to this day, I kind of hate her because you never really get over that, right? <laughs> no. But like I threatened to beat her up. I went to her house. I yelled at her. But did you blah. beat her up? I thought you did. I never beat her up. Oh. I never once raised my hand to her. She was just afraid of me because I wouldn't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> um, but you didn't kill her. But I didn't kill her. But no. And like, so when you're a kid, you blame the other person because for whatever reason, right? Now, looking back as an adult, like the only person to blame in that situation was my ex, my high school boyfriend. Absolutely. Now, yes, obviously she knew that I was dating him. It's a shitty like thing that you would do to a person who you would consider a friend. Right. You're also a piece of shit. Yeah. But where the blame should have lied was not with her. Nope. It was with him for being a trifling hoe. Right. (laughs) And in this situation, if things were done not on the up and up and it wasn't a legitimate breakup to this new relationship if Amanda was cheating on Melinda with this girl with Shanda you should be mad at Amanda not Mm -hmm. Shanda like that's so silly to me Mm -hmm. as an adult but as a kid you're like yeah "Yeah, that's where your blame goes right yeah no I yes (laughs) so gross it's just it's still ridiculous it is ridiculous Uh, so uh, the girls then left the witch's castle dragging Shanda along with them. Mm. They began looking for an open gas station. Shanda told them about one near her house. Um, and they did end up going there, but Lori knew that if Shanda was near her home, she might try to get away, get help, or try to run back home. Mm. Uh, so she covered her with a blanket. They then drove around some more and ended up in the woods not far from Lori's house. Lori led them to a dark, abandoned building off of a long road in a densely forested area mm-hmm. tony and hope were frightened and stayed in the car when i probably would have been crying because i didn't want to be part of this anymore i would have gotten out of the car and ran away yeah pretty much melinda and Lori made shanda strip down to her underwear then melinda beat 
uh, Melinda beat her with her fists. Next, she repeatedly slammed Shanda's face into her knee, which cut her mouth on her own braces. Shanda had just gotten braces not too long ago. Because she's a little girl. Correct. So, oh, could you? No. I mean, I had braces for I was going to say, I never had braces, but I can't even imagine. Like, even when, like, let's say I, like, hit my hand against my lip and got a tiny cut. No, 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 I don't know. Nope. I was going to say, I know how bad it feels just to bite your lip. I can't even imagine what that would feel like. Yeah. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. So that, no. Okay, sorry, I just... No, it's okay. Melinda tried to slash Shonda's throat, but the knife was too dull. Hope came out of the car to hold Shanda down as Melinda and Lori took turns stabbing her in the chest. They then strangled Shanda with a rope until she was unconscious, placed her in the trunk of the car, and told the other two girls that she was dead. Girls drove to Lori's nearby home, went inside to drink soda, and clean up themselves. Stop it! Mm -hmm. When they heard Shanda screaming in the trunk, Lori went out with a paring knife and stabbed her several more times, coming back a few minutes later all covered in blood. At 2.30 in the morning, Tony and Hope stayed behind as Lori and Melinda went quote-unquote country cruising, driving to the nearby town of, and I'm going to say this wrong, and I meant to Google how to say it, Canaan. It's like Can-An. A-N-A-A-N. And I, I definitely made mental note to look this up early. I completely forgot. So C A N A A N. Yes. So let's check it right now on the Google. Okay. So, Canaan. Canaan. Okay. So, Canaan. Go with that. If we're wrong, let us know, and then type it out phonetically. It's, it's where Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on from Canaan. Shanda continued to make crying and gurgling noises, so Lori stopped the car. When they opened the trunk, Shanda sat up, covered, com- like, covered in blood. Uh, so Lori beat her with a tire iron until she was silent. Yeah. She stopped when, she stopped because she claimed that she felt her head caving in. And then she put the Melinda, she put the Melinda, she put the tire iron to Melinda's nose and told her to smell it. I wish you could see Charlie's face right now. Like, I... Mm. Hmm. So Lori claimed she stopped because she felt Shanda's head start to cave in, Correct. and then she took the tire iron uh-huh. and made Melinda smell it. Yes. I I don't know why, but she I don't did. Think many people know why. I, I I don't think we'll ever know why. There were also reports of the victim being sexually assaulted with the same weapon, the tire iron. Yeah. Yeah. This tire iron assault was off and on for hours as the girls went on a joyride through the countryside. So it wasn't like a one and done thing. They repeatedly beat her with the tire iron. So they would like drive around, stop, beat the crap out Mm -hmm. of her, possibly sexually assault her with Mm -hmm. the tire iron, get back in the car, drive around, do it again. Correct. And when they did the autopsy, she was sodomized with it. Good lord. Again, 16, 17 year olds doing this to a fucking 12 year old. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. (sighs) Melinda and Lori returned to Lori's house just before daybreak to clean up again. Hope asked about Shanda, and Lori laughingly described the torture. The conversation woke up her mother, who yelled at her daughter for being out late and bringing home the girls, so Lori agreed to take them home. She drove to the burn pile where they opened the trunk to stare at Shanda. Hope sprayed 
Shonda with Windex that was in the trunk that was next to her and taunted, you're not looking so hot now, are you? With fucking Windex. The girls drove to a gas station near Madison Consolidated High School, pumped some gasoline into the car, and bought a two-liter bottle of Pepsi. Lori poured out the Pepsi and refilled the bottle with gasoline. They drove north of Madison, past Jefferson Proving Ground, to Lemon Road off of U.S. Route 421, a place that was known to Hope. Tony remained in the car while Lori and Hope wrapped Shonda, who was still alive after all those beatings, after Stop. all that. So she was fighting. She was fighting to stay alive because she didn't. She thought that maybe there would be some point where she could jump out, whatever. So she was trying to stay hopeful. Um, who was still alive in a blanket and carried her to a field by the gravel country road. Lori made Hope pour the gasoline on Shonda. And then they set her on fire. Melinda was not convinced she was dead, so they refused. They returned a few minutes later to pour the rest of the gasoline on her. The girls went to McDonald's at 9.30 a.m. for breakfast, where they laughed about Shonda's body looking like one of the sausages they were eating. Lori then dropped off Tony and it's Hope. It's a really good thing I don't eat breakfast sausage from McDonald's. Yes, because I'll never do it again. Nope, you'll never unsee that. Lori then dropped off Tony and Hope at their homes and finally returned to her own home with Melinda. She told Amanda that they had killed Shanda and arranged to pick up Amanda later that day. Excuse me. So all that took place... All that took place uh, January 10th to the morning of the 11th. My yeah. God. Yeah. So it wasn't like, they were like, oh, we're just going to kill her, whatever. No, they tortured her. They absolutely... For like 12 hours. Yes. Yes, and she was burned alive. Well, nine hours, because they picked her up around midnight. Right. But, but still, a long time. Still disgusting. And I'm sure it felt like days long yeah. to poor, poor Shonda. Um, but yeah, she was burned alive, so she was alive when they were burning her. My God. Mm-hmm. And according to the, to the Dr. Phil episode, her mom was saying that she was told that her last known words were mommy. Mm. I just got... I It's... This is just really fucking sad for that day. A friend of Melinda's, Crystal Wathen, Watten, Crystal, came over to her house and they told her what had happened. Then the three girls drove to pick up Amanda and take her back to Melinda's house where they told her the story. Both Amanda and Crystal were reluctant to believe the story until Lori showed them the trunk of her car with Shanda's bloody handprints and socks still present. Amanda was horrified and asked to be taken home. When they pulled up in front of her house, Melinda kissed her, told her she loved her, and pleaded with her not to tell anyone. Amanda promised that she wouldn't tell anyone before she went back into her house. Around the time that the girls were at McDonald's, brothers Don and Ralph Foley went out hunting for quail. Mm. They made their way past Jefferson Proving Ground, driving for about eight miles on a country road. There, they spotted a large, dark color object on the side of the road. As they got closer, Don thought it was a mannequin of some sort. They took a closer look, and only then did they realize it was the burned body of a young woman. It's never a mannequin. Nope. They went back to they went back home and called the police, who told them to go back to the location of the body until the sheriff arrived. Oh yeah, go and traumatize yourself a little bit more by standing yep. next to the charred body. Yep. Yep. We'll be there soon. I no. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm gonna tell you the exact coordinates and you're gonna go there. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> I'm good. Cause how do you unsee that? You don't ever. <sighs> you don't ever. No. 
At about noon, Deputy Sheriff Randall Spry arrived, closely followed by Jefferson County Sheriff Buck Shipley, um, and then Detective Steve Henry and Forensic Expert Sergeant Curtis Wells arrived an hour later at 1. The four men couldn't believe the horrifying sight. The girl's body had been burned beyond all recognition and posed in a sexual position. In the meantime, Steve, Shonda's father, woke up. He noticed that, I'm sorry, Shanda. He noticed that Shanda was not in her room, but didn't think much of it. He assumed that she was sleeping in the family room in the basement because she did that often. When he realized she wasn't there, he began to worry. He called Shanda's friends first, then his ex-wife Jackie, telling her that he couldn't find her. Jackie came over and they filed a missing persons report. After that, Jackie, Steve, and Steve's wife Sharon began searching for Shanda. At around 8.20 p.m., a hysterical Tony entered the police station with her father. She was bursting to tell Detective Henry everything. She told him about the plan to go to the rock concert with Lori and Hope, that they ended up going to New Albany, and they picked up Lori's friend Melinda. She knew the girl's name was Shanda, and she was 12 or 13. She couldn't remember exact timings, but she did remember locations like um, the Witch's Castle and the Woods, Lori's house, and that Lori and Melinda beat Shanda in the trunk of the car, then going to the gas station, filling the Pepsi bottle with gasoline. So she remembered all those things, just not the timeline. Tony did remember Shanda's address. The detective contacted Sergeant Wells, who was the forensic dude, to find out whether a missing persons report had been filed at that address. And there had been for 12-year-old Shanda Sharer. The description of Shanda in the missing persons report matched the body found earlier that day. Dental records were then used to identify the body as Shanda's. January 12th, the next day, Lori and Melinda were arrested. All four girls were charged as adults. Uh, they each accepted plea bargains to avoid the death penalty. Tony and Hope, um, the younger, less involved in the torture and more forthcoming with the authorities, like they wanted to tell what happened. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, received the lighter sentences. Tony getting 20 years and Hope getting 50. Dang. It's still a lot, though. Yeah, but Hope's, Hope's was shortened to 35 on appeal. Um Tony was released in 2000 after serving nine years, while Hope served 14 and got out in 2006. Okay. Meanwhile, Lori and Melinda both received their 60-year sentences. Um, I believe Melinda is either out or trying to get out currently. Mm -hmm. Um, I want her to stay in there and rot. Completely heartbroken by the murder of his daughter... Steve Scherer couldn't go on. He found his only escape in drinking and died of alcohol abuse in 2005. Good lord. He was 53. During Melinda's sentencing hearing, the horrific abuse her father, Larry, subjected her family to came to light. In February 1993, he was charged with rape, sodomy, and sexual battery and arrested. He spent two years in prison awaiting trial. However, due to the statute of limitations, which is five years in Indiana, and given that the majority of these particular crimes occurred up to 25 years before, the judge had all charges dropped apart from the one charge of sexual battery, which he had pleaded guilty to. Uh, he, <laughs> he received a sentence of his time served and was released in 1995. So he did not have to do more than the two years he waited. Statue of Limitations, great. I can't. I can't. It's. I can't. Mm. I can't. Mm. While in prison, Melinda has become involved in training service dogs. She is. 
She is renowned for her training for oh. the ICANN program. ICANN meaning Indiana Canine Assistance. And is often sought out for help with dogs that are harder to train. All right, well then keep her in there. I'll let her keep doing it. <laughs> Charlie Patrizzo, a burn victim who breeds service dogs for ICANN, got in touch with Shanda's mother about Melinda. Together they watched footage of Melinda training a dog in prison. On watching the video, Jackie said, Melinda was sincere. She was compassionate. I think the ICANN program allows her to have something in her life that she could show love back to, and there's no betrayal on either side. In 2012, Jackie made an unexpected decision to donate a puppy, Angel, in honor of Shanda for Melinda to train for ICANN. She did this because she wanted something positive to come out of it. And that's... That is so much better than I am as a human being. Agreed. 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 Um, that is the horrible... I'm so angry right now. Horrible, horrible story of the murder of Shanda Scherer. That was quite possibly one of the saddest of my four episodes that I did. <laughs> like, researching. Like, I just... A little gut-wrenching. I'm not gonna lie. Like, just... Just sad. Just just sad. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I guess if you guys want to cheer yourself up, watch American Boogeyman with Chad Michael yes. Murray. <laughs> yes. Do it. That'll give you a good chuckle. Yes. You need amusement at this point. You definitely do. Um, Oof. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I understand where her mom was coming from with trying to make something positive come out of it. But, like you Mm -hmm. said, she's a lot nicer than I would have been. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. Just, no. 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 She killed. Nope. Mm. Yeah. Nope. 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 And, like, the whole thing is, is the other girl. Lori, I have a problem with, too. But the other two, Hope and. Tony. Tony. Well, I agree that they should have went to prison. I'm actually shocked they got as long as they did. Yeah. Um, I'm, again, it's not up to me to be fine or not fine, but, like, I am fine with the fact that they got out early. Yeah. Because it seemed like they wanted to get help. Like, they wanted justice to come. Correct. Especially Tony being like, uh, we're going to, like, that night she was at the police station with her father. So, like, I get, you know, whatever. Anyway. Lori... Well, at first it seemed like she was like, I don't even want to be here. She jumped right on in mm-hmm. and decided that this was fun time Saturday night, mm-hmm. which is just insane. But Melinda was the mastermind behind all of this, mm-hmm. laughed, bragged about it. Like, I just, sorry. I, <laughs> the fact, I don't, I don't care how nice you are to dogs, lady. You can stay in jail. Like, I, I don't understand for real. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mm-hmm. bad guys have pets too. Doesn't yeah. make you a good person. No. No. I no. like dogs more than I like human beings. So me being nice to a dog does not make me a good person. I mean, I'm not a bad person, <laughs> but I'm just saying. I was like, wow, way to dig yourself in grave there, Charlie. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know. Like, whatever. I, it makes me angry. <sighs> anyway. Um, well, Jovi decided that she's going to try the outro again. I am. I she am. said she had fun doing it the other night. I did. So we're going to, I'm going to sit back and allow Jovi to take over and do the outro for tonight. So I just wanted to uh, thank you guys all for listening so much yes. and uh, take it away, Jovi. Okay. Well, 
that will do it for another episode of Big Crime Stories. Uh, so, follow us on our socials. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, Instagram, kind of Twitter, not really, no. and not at all TikTok, but we have one. Um, you can find that at Bed Crime Stories. Mm-hmm. And please email us with any story suggestions. DM us any story suggestions. Email us your stories. Do you mm-hmm. have um, stories about things that you've witnessed or maybe just fun stories that could bring a smile to our face? Anything. Mm-hmm. Pictures of animals. Mm-hmm. pictures of your vacation yeah. like just anything fun stuff talk to us we're friendly people say hey yeah um and if you want to do that the email address is bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com mm-hmm. we actually had a listener once send us an audio file saying hi yes and it was the coolest thing ever cool. so be like that listener and do that too <laughs> um maybe we'll be cool enough and send you a back yeah because mm-hmm. you know you love our voices so i was gonna much. say you want to hear them again <laughs> yeah <laughs> because you know you want us to be your bfs you it's just fine. can't get enough it's fine i understand uh, social needs mm-hmm. email uh don't forget to like rate subscribe review yeah yeah, mm-hmm. on um, anywhere that you're listening, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts or uh, other places. Google Podcasts. Anything that has a podcast. Because mm-hmm. I know Google has one. I know there's websites where you can listen to it now, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you, can you can also listen, listen, to, listen to us on Anchor. On Anchor, yeah. yeah. Um, so li- wherever you're listening, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. Mm-hmm. The more listeners, the better. Um, and I think that's pretty much all. That's pretty much it. I mean, obviously, be kind. Um, be nice to each other. Yeah, because the world's shitty right now. So any little act of kindness, whether it be a smile or saying hello to a stranger or when you're in line at Starbucks and you look in your rearview mirror and the person behind you looks like they're having a really hard day, buying them their coffee, it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um so just just keep that in mind. You never know what the person that you're talking to or around you is dealing with in their life. So don't Amen. just be kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I always say to my employees, you never people don't wear a sign around their neck nope. that says that I'm going through a hard time. So be nice to me. Yep. So just be nice. Just be nice. It you know it won't kill you. A little mm-hmm. bit of kindness will go a long way. But yeah. uh, I think that's pretty much it. That's how, pretty how much did it. I do with the outro? I will give you a one and a half thumbs up. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> always room for improvement, you know. You know, hey. hey. Um, but yeah, so guys, have a lovely evening. Mm-hmm. We uh, think you're all real groovy. Thank you so much for listening to yep. us and being loyal listeners and um, doing all the things that we ask you to do <laughs> for us to make us uh, be cool. Yeah. And um, have a great day. And we'll talk to you guys next week. But until then, sweet dreams. Bink bonk, bonk, bink. Stop or record. I hit record again. (laughs) (laughs) I do that every time. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.